This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to bonus episode number eight of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, and with me, as he always is, my good brother and good friend, it's Liam. Liam, welcome to bonus episode number eight. Yeah, I'm uh, excited to be here, and we've got another two chapters of the Batman The Adventures Continue digital first comic to talk about today, and boy oh boy did they give us quite a bit of content uh, from a story perspective, from an art perspective, just so much to talk about this week. Content and controversy, I think, is what we would go with with these two chapters as uh, as we get into it here. Without looking, Liam, do you can you accurately describe the parts, issue, and chapters of this uh, this edition of uh, Batman: <laughs> The Adventures Continue? So this will be issue when it comes out. This will be issue four. Um, it'll be chapters seven and eight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and the story is, of course, called The Darker Night because it features the DCAU debut of one Azrael. So, yeah, we have our our digital chapters uh, seven and eight here to talk about, which will eventually make up issue number four of the physical comic. Correct. And it's The Darker Night part one and two that we will be covering today. Uh, so before we get into breaking down the actual comic itself, Liam, I did want to give a shout out. So uh, through social media, the magic of social media, there's a lot of bad stuff and terribleness <laughs> that happens on social media. Uh, but every now and then there's some good that comes from the existence of social media. And uh, just give a shout out. Uh, so uh, we've been able to uh, speak with and, and certainly interact with a lot of the creators and different voice actors and stuff. Uh, Monica Kubina, who's the colorist on the this entire series, has been very kind to us, and we were yes. able to send her a little gift package last week, which was awesome. Uh, but uh, she was actually able to give us some insight that uh, one Randy Mayor, who is the uh, assistant art director at DC Comics, is the one who was responsible for the title cards that have been at the, at the beginning of each of the digital first issues. Uh, so these are not included in the physical copy. So if you have just picked up the physical copies, you may not know what we're talking about. Uh, but you can actually check out our Instagram. We always post the uh, the the title cards when they debut, or they're actually included with this uh, this episode on our website at dcaureview.com. You can check them out. But these are sort of homages. We've talked about them, Liam, in each of the episodes thus far. They're just a, a little homage, a little nod to the origins of Batman the animated series with those title cards that were just so iconic. Uh, adds a little bit of flair and it's a little bit it, it's just a, it just feels like we're in the right place when we see these each week 
Yeah, absolutely. That especially, you know, obviously we didn't get those with the new Batman Adventures, but that original run, the Batman the Animated Series, uh, you know, Eric Bradomsky, one of the co-creators of the series, uh, you know, drew every single one of those title cards. And uh, that's such an iconic part of the series. You know, you think about ones like Harley and Ivy or on leather wings or, or something like that. Some of the, some of the really stunning, uh, beware the great ghost. Some of those really stunning title cards uh, that, uh, that would open every show. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that, that's such a, that's such a big part of that original Batman animated series run. And it was such a, a brilliant idea to, uh, to include that as, as sort of a way of, of welcoming welcoming us all back into this world. Yeah, and so the the ones included for these two issues of the Darker Knight uh, by Randy Mayor are just two really really awesome looking pieces. And I think what when we saw the first one for part one, uh, you even commented that um, that uh, it reminded you is like this could be a straight straight out of the original mm-hmm. Batman the animated series run. Uh so very very well done. Um you know, wanted to give give Mr. Mayor a a shout out on that one. Uh all right, William, let us uh, jump down ju- <laughs> let's jump into the breakdown of this week's uh two parts. Uh issue number 4 as you mentioned chapters 7 and 8 of the digital first Batman the Adventures Continue comic. Uh so uh, as you already mentioned, so we know that this is the debut and we knew that from both the covers and the uh, the the preview at the end of our previous issue that this was going to be the debut of Jean-Paul Valley, aka Azrael. Um, so he we're introduced to him uh, after discovering that Catwoman, who makes her first appearance in this uh, mini series, it has stolen uh, some uh, something of value. Uh, from the Order of Saint Dumas, uh, which is uh, traditionally where Azrael uh, has uh, has his origins found in, which is this sort of mm-hmm. uh, religious cult, I guess is is sort of how it would be described. It's a they're kind of religious assassins, so to speak. Yeah, it's a little uh, it's a little Assassin's Creedy. It's a little uh, a little uh, yeah, they're they're. Uh... They're big fans of the Old Testament God, like they're big, uh, you know, vengeance. Uh, they're, right. Yeah, they're they're sort of uh, the the avenging angels of uh, of I don't I don't know if they ever specifically say in the books that it's meant to be like the real you know traditional Judeo Christian God, but that's certainly Im- implied with a lot of the imagery and stuff you see. And yeah, the idea is that they're sort of uh, Azrael is this sort of uh you know this this fist of vengeance for for this for this church for this order of saint dumas and yeah as we find out in in this in this version of the dcau apparently uh bruce wayne before becoming batman actually spent some time uh training uh, with that order before 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 leaving yeah I thought, yeah i thought that was that was an interesting way to incorporate that i think that that uh that has been traditionally, at least with Batman, the animated series has been the way uh, they've sort of incorporated some of those, those, uh, those villains. It's been a tradition, tradition, as, as we know, in uh, one of the episodes that we most recently covered in Batman, the animated series, which was uh, night of the ninja, I believe mm-hmm. um, that one it links Batman's training to the villain of that episode, going back to his training, uh, in karate and and his 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 training in the same dojo as uh, Kyudai can. So uh, 
uh, linking Batman's training. Uh, we, we also know that it comes up in the Zatanna episode and, mm-hmm. and several other instances where Batman's training leads to him coming in contact with people that he once once interacted with. So uh, I, I felt like that that was a very effective way to bring in the Order of St. Dumas and having him be familiar with with Jean-Paul Valley in this sense, and that they are both trained similarly, and they're both uh, they're they're both sort of two sides to one coin. Bruce sort of uh, just used it for the physical training and for the maybe the mental self-discipline, whereas Jean-Paul Valley actually uh, bought into it uh, hook, line, and sinker, including the religious aspect of it. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's an interesting aspect of it because that's sort of the whole rest of this issue as we talked about as a uh, Catwoman steals this supposedly uh, blessed or magic or enchanted whatever uh, this shawl that's supposed to have great healing powers uh, from the order, which is sort of what sets Azrael after her and, and sort of where we pick up the story is Batman chasing her and then Azrael showing up and. Uh, being very ready to to kill her and Batman sort of talks him off the ledge uh, based on their sort of mutual history and and they find out she was actually hired by the penguin and then we we so they so we're sort of having this clash of ideals of sort of Batman who as you said sort of used the order of Saint Dumas to perhaps better himself physically but not but he never bought into the religion side of it. Whereas this is very much a, a holy mission that uh, there's, there are wrongs that need to be righted. And Azrael is, is the one that's going to right these wrongs. And Batman's sort of the whole time trying to, uh, to, to talk him down. And he's like, Hey, you know, if you promise to be cool, I'll, I'll make you a new suit. You can fit in with, with, uh, <laughs> with, with the rest of us here in Gotham. And, and we can work we can work together here and you know everybody wins nobody has to die and all that and sort of throughout the issue Azrael just uh, throughout the rest of part 1 and then part 2 there it's just Azrael getting sort of more and more violent especially with the penguin um as he's just sort of on this really single-minded crusade to to get this shawl back yeah and that that to me it's that mirrors the the character of of Jean-Paul Valley, Azrael, whatever you want to call him, from the from the early '90s. That was the whole the whole ultimate climax of the Nightfall storyline. Was is you know obviously Batman gets his back broken, is unable to to carry on the mantle of Batman at the time, and you know passes it to Jean-Paul Valley, who mm-hmm. just becomes increasingly more and more violent, more and more out of control. Uh, even gets into a fight with with Tim Tim Drake Robin at, at one point, and mm-hmm. uh, Batman ultimately has to has to battle him in order to reclaim the mantle of the bat. So uh, seeing them sort of sort of tease that progressively more violent aspect was interesting. Uh, backtracking just for a second here is uh, I wanted to ask you about what did you think of them sort of uh, explaining away the bat costume uh, <laughs> as well we wanted you to look more uniform. So Alfred and I invented this costume for you. Um, yeah. I mean, that sort of just felt like we have to justify him <laughs> being in that, in that Batman ish suit. And that, I mean, I think this, this felt less shoehorned to me than the, uh, 
Dark Knight Returns robot suit in the in the first issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it still definitely feels like well, the toy is him in the bat suit, so we have to find some sort of reason to justify uh, him him coming to Gotham. And I guess you could have just already had him be in the suit, uh, right? And the idea and sort of come at it from a different narrative perspective that he's just there rather than being there for like this single issue. He's there to, you know, clean up Gotham and become the Batman. Batman can't be sort of more playing on the on the direct uh, links to that Nightfall story. But yeah, I mean, I think what I think what they did was while, yes, it was definitely a little like (laughs) a little sudden, uh, I think it was, I, like I said, I didn't think it was quite as shoehorned as maybe some of the other toy tie-in moments have been so far. Do you think that Batman and Alfred just had like a whole b- bunch of extra Teflon and carbon fiber like hanging around <laughs> and they were just like, well, uh, we were going to use this for a suit for Bruce, but you know what? We'll just... <laughs> We'll just we'll just retrofit it to you instead. <laughs> yeah, like maybe maybe it's like it's the helmet from the the Firefly suit. Ooh. And, from the anti Firefly suit, and they just painted it, and then you know he I'm sure he always has a couple extra capes lying around. So uh, I love it. So, hey, yeah, I like that's, that. <laughs> yeah, so maybe maybe he just he yeah you know, I imagine he has to buy that stuff in bulk. So sure, he probably has a bunch of just bat shaped clothing around <laughs> capes capes and bat helmets and stuff so he, he just repurposed that or like a an old bat motorcycle helmet or something to uh to fit to fit here i love where your head's at it makes as much sense as anything else uh, backtracking for just a second do you have any thoughts on the original azrael costume that they that they used in this uh for this before he changes over to the bat costume I, the only one I I thought of, and I think a lot of people have probably pointed it out, is that for it kind of looks it looks very phantasmy. Right. Um. It's because obviously in the in the comics it's it's sort of, he does have the the hood and but the mask it's 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 very much just like a mask. It may have some sort of design on it, but this one is pretty much it looks very similar to the the phantasm design with that sort of skull uh, helmet under you know with with the hood over top. So that was I I. I liked it. Like, I think it's, it's certainly striking, but uh, yeah, that, that was sort of my thought. In fact, when the cover for the first issue came out um, with, with all of the villain faces in the, uh, in the, in the building with Batman standing on top, uh, I remember there was some discussion I had online on, on our Twitter at DCAU review uh, where people were discussing like, wait, is that phantasm? Is that, is that maybe Azrael? You know, we don't, we don't know what's going on. Like, and uh, so, yeah, I guess, but once you, obviously, once you see it with the color scheme and everything, I, I think it's a pretty striking look. I, I wouldn't mind if, yeah. uh, a, D, a future DC direct release of this costume as well. Uh, all right, moving moving forward from that. So once we find out that Penguin is the uh, the person that hired Catwoman to get the shawl of, shawl of Magdalene, uh, Jean-Paul and, and in, uh, confront Penguin at the Iceberg Lounge, and we are introduced to a original character, I believe, <laughs> uh, that has never never debuted, uh, and um, I'm curious as to if he'll ever make an appearance in comic form ever again, and that is one. Mr. Wing, who <laughs> is a giant anthropomorphic bird. Yeah, so I I certainly had some questions about this, um, whether or not. So 
is this just some strange sort of metahuman? Is this an early splicer? Is this, you know, a leftover experiment from from Dr. Milo and the original? I guess they say in Justice League that Dr. Milo is the guy who created splicers. So, like, is this right. like a, another like early splicer experiment? I'm I'm genuinely curious as to what what this guy is because he just kind of shows up at the end of of part one and then in part two he talks like he he talks like a normal person so he's in you would imagine at some point he was a normal human being so i am i'm fascinated and very curious as to the origins of mr wing so my speculation and bear with me now this is Mm -hmm. this is my headcanon since we have nothing to go off of so far but just as there is a hidden gorilla city uh, where there are giant gorillas <laughs> that are able to communicate with humans and or communicate, uh, you know, verbally and ha- are far advanced beyond your normal, normal, uh, capable gorillas. Uh, I do believe that there might be a bird city uh, where giant, giant birds also exist. <laughs> and and uh, Mr. Wing escaped from Bird City or was perhaps banished from Bird City for being too radical with his ideas. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he made his way to Gotham where he heard that there was a, uh, a, a gentleman that went by the name of the Penguin thinking that this was somebody who had also at one point escaped from Bird City, uh, only to come, <laughs> come to find out that it was just a man who calls himself the Penguin. Uh, and uh, yeah, and here, here we have it. He, he made his way there, and he's, he's the Penguin's wingman now. There you go. I love that. That's <laughs> <laughs> pr- pr- Bird wrong. City. That's right. So, um, until we hear otherwise, that is the official origins of Mr. Wing, as far as I'm concerned. Bird City. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> what, what, I, he's uh, interestingly visual. I mean, he's in it for just a very few panels. It's not. It's uh, he's the end of of part one chapter seven and then he's in the opening scene obviously at chapter eight part two uh so i i i did not love this character i'll just say that (laughs) um yeah it's just it's very random like it feels like it could have just been some random some random for what they needed to happen which was batman to be distracted fighting something while Azrael ran after Penguin and obviously, as we see in, in the few panels that followed up, just brutalized him to get information about uh, where he, you know, who he sold the straw to. Um, for, for what they needed, you could have just had like a bunch of random thugs um, right. and just have Batman get overwhelmed for a minute and then and then uh, and then go from there. But I mean, look, like I said, it's a very it's a cool visual, like the art. The art of Mr. Wing is, is very impressive. But yes, it's pretty, it was a pretty random inclusion. Uh, and obviously we don't, we don't get a lot of context of who he is or how he came to be. Uh, and yeah, Batman dispatches him pretty easily before uh, running after Azrael and the Penguin. So yeah, it, it is a pretty random uh, insertion. But hey, if we if we get a, a DC Direct Mr. Wing figure somewhere down the line, it'll it'll all be worth it. Please don't make me have to buy a, a DC Direct <laughs> Mr. Wing figure. We're not asking for that. Please. <laughs> oh, I might boy. be asking for it. 
Oh my gosh, there's 350 <laughs> other characters I'd rather see before Mr. Wingfinger. <laughs> Please don't give them any ideas. Um, <sighs> all right, so moving on to so the part two, we then real we figure out that there's been somebody else. So that Penguin was sort of like the middleman, but there's like a third level to this stuff. Yes. <laughs> he was hired to hire Catwoman to get this shawl so there's like multiple layers of hirings going on here it's a sounds like a pyramid scheme if you ask me uh (laughs) but we find out that the person behind the hiring of the hiring is in fact revealed to be victor freeze and liam this is where there has been some significant controversy at least in the dcau community about uh what happens next yeah so this so this leans on a lot of stuff. So famously, I, I know at the very least Bruce Tim has said that he because uh, some of the creators, not all of the creators who made Sub-Zero, Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero, the movie, were involved because a lot of them were already working on Superman at that point um, by the right. time that came out. So they I know at, at least Bruce Tim has uh, has intimated that he was not a big fan of that ending where they bring Nora back to life uh, because he felt that it hurt the Mr. Freeze character. And they sort of, and if you watch the new Batman adventures appearance of Mr. Freeze, they basically just say, well, she married her doctor. She ran off and Mr. Freeze never went to see her. And we find out it's because, well, it's because his disease got worse and now he's just a head in a jar. Um, So it's like very quickly, they're like, well, if his whole motivation was this grief that he felt, from his wife's death and now his wife's not dead anymore i guess they felt like it hurt the character and made it harder for him to uh to 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 play that part so they kind of they don't they don't retcon her death yet but they do uh sort of write her out of the story and 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 give mr freeze a new tragedy to uh to sort of motivate him and here we, uh, but of course, in the meantime, in some of the tie-in comics in uh, Batman Gotham Adventures and Batman Adventures Volume Two, they actually did follow up on a lot of that story with, uh, you know, Mister Freeze meeting the the doctor who saved who saved his wife's life and who she ended up remarrying with, and then later on, uh, we there's this issue where Clayface disguises himself as Nora and and. Uh, and sort of convinces Mr. Freeze to help him on this on this caper. And then finally, in, in Batman Adventures, uh, one of the last issues of that series, we do, in fact, actually get the reunion of, of Nora and Mr. Freeze. And it sort of sets up some, uh, some future, you know, his head ends up lost in, in like the Arctic at the end of that. And I guess we can assume from there is was when uh you know the the future Derek Powers would would find him and and take him and that's how he ends up where he is in Batman Beyond but so all of that is sort of thrown out with thrown out of uh any potential continuity here as Mr. Freeze needed the Shaw as it turns out because Nora died again <laughs> because her treatment right. didn't take um so that's, I guess that's frustrating. And I don't, before we get into like what we think about tie-in comics and stuff, like, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer with this. Like, for sure. I, 
I don't, I don't, I've always enjoyed reading the tie-in comics. I've actually, I was actually the independent of all of this was just in my spare time. I was reading some of those Batman adventures issues just for fun. Um, and there's a lot of great stories and it's cool to have that supplemental material. But since I was not super, I guess I wasn't totally surprised by this just because I knew at least some of the creators of the series didn't like the idea of Nora being alive. So I'm not totally surprised that a Paul Dini and Alan Burnett penned story uh, sort of went back to correct that wrong, if that makes sense. No, I think I think you're right. I think it does. And so there's there's three different issues that you mentioned. Uh, the first one, I believe, was Gotham Adventures number five. Mm-hmm. And that one was the was actually written by Ty Templeton, ironically, uh, who, of course, is doing the artwork for the Batman, the Adventures Continue series. But mm-hmm. the other two issues that you mentioned, which I believe was Gotham Adventures 51 and Batman Adventures 14 volume two, 15, I think 15 volume two. OK, 15 volume two. You're right. Um Neither of those uh, had any of the people that are involved in this project writing them or artistically or any of it. So those those were done sort of on their own by great writers and people that were responsible at the time for, for doing that. Um, my thought process on this is sort of all of the... Time, and I like I, like you said, I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer. Um, I think all of the tie-in comics are loosely can be loosely canon. Um, I think that I, I think it's the Watchtower database guys who have the the idea that like the it's canon until proven otherwise, which I appreciate. That's that's fine. You yeah, know, I, that, that's a fine. Fine strategy to take. Um, I think what happens, though, is when things start to contradict each other, as they do with this point, to me, uh, we see that happen all of the time in main continuity DC. Uh, How many times have stories had to be rewritten or explained away or things that were established in one comic are just completely disregarded and thrown away in another comic? The reason why this happens is because that you have so many different independent creators who are responsible for different storylines. And while a certain storyline may be important to you or to for the time, uh, there comes a time where somebody else gets to hold the ball for a little while and they get to they kind of get to decide what is and what isn't. Um, mm-hmm. So I know that's that's hard with this DCAU stuff because it's so near and dear to all of us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I've I've always kind of uh, we were we were talking about this off the air, but I've always sort of looked at any of these tie-in books uh, kind of the same way I looked at like the Daredevil Netflix series, mm-hmm. um, which is theoretically I guess set in the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, but they never really overlap. And quite frankly, and especially now that uh, Disney's deal with Netflix is over. Um, if they decide, hey, we want to introduce Daredevil or a villain that was in that series, there isn't going to be somebody that goes, well, we can't because that character was already introduced in Daredevil. They'll just go, well, I, I don't care. I'm making a major movie and I want to and I want to and I want to use that character. So it's and that doesn't mean that the show isn't good. 
like I, I really enjoyed that Daredevil show, and I it was cool to have sort of you know sly references to the to the larger universe while telling this story. And uh, I know it's not that's not a one to one comparison because like Captain America and Iron Man didn't show up in the Daredevil show. Right. Versus these Gotham Adventures or, or Batman Adventures books where we are actually following the exact same characters. I know that's not a perfect comparison, but that's kind of how I've always per, uh, personally looked at them. It's like it's supplemental material. It's there are a lot of really fun, great stories to be told. Uh, but, yeah, there's always that chance that the uh, that it's going to be thrown out when. Uh, something happens. I mean, a perfect example of that is, you know, there's a, a the original Batman Adventures Volume One. I think it's issue 25. He teams up with a long-haired Superman, and they fight a Lex Luthor with, uh, you know, with orange hair and a beard. Because right. at the time, no one imagined that they were going to do a Superman the animated series, nor that it would cross over with Batman. Um, so, and then eventually that happened. And doesn't mean that's not a fun issue or that it's a good story. But it does mean that it doesn't really fit in the world anymore. And and again, even with this new series, there's always the chance that there will be a, a another DCAU movie or limited series. Who know, you know, this wonderful world of streaming we're in. I feel like that's a that's a certainly always a possibility now um, that could throw out some of the stuff that happened in this comic. So, yeah, like as as frustrating as that can be, especially if. Uh, like we said, if you're coming at it more from a, like a historian standpoint or you're trying to hammer out a specific timeline like our like our buddies over at the, the Watchtower database do. Like I under, I completely understand why this is kind of frustrating and annoying, um, but that that's just kind of how I've always personally viewed any of the uh, any of these tie in books is like they're awesome stories and they're a lot of them are really fun and it's set in the same universe. But there's always going to be that chance, as you pointed out, that a new writer or a new show or whatever, a new movie is going to come up and they're going to change stuff just because, <laughs> uh, right. just because they feel like it or because they didn't like a certain story or they want to, or they just want to use a certain character um, that they didn't get a chance to use in, in an earlier run. There's a, there's a lot of variables to it. And yeah, so like I said, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. If you don't like this issue because you, preferred the version where where Nora comes back to life and has these new adventures with with Mr. Freeze I'm not I'm not we're certainly not telling you you're wrong it's just it's just personally like I said that's I've always sort of uh I've looked at these tie-in comics as sort of being on on borrowed time as far as like continuity sake goes yeah I think that that makes a lot of sense I think the other thing that I look to is that, like I said, those other other issues were written by people that were certainly charged with at the time of of storytelling for this universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, looking at this, these are two of the people that were responsible for DC, the birth of the original DCAU. There would be no DCAU if it wasn't for Alan Burnett and and Paul Dini. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those guys were huge. So that's kind of, to me, looking at them deciding how the characters, they didn't create the characters, well, with the exception of Harley Quinn, obviously, but they didn't create these characters, but they did sort of have the narrative and the mindset behind where things were going or how things should go. And I, I sort of defer to their creative 
ideas behind something. It was funny. Uh, Ty Templeton even commented yesterday. There was we had again the magic of social media. Ty <laughs> Templeton. Uh, we had mentioned somebody had mentioned on one of his pictures that he had messed up. Uh, he and Paul Dini quote had messed up continuity because of uh, this last issue, and he. He didn't know exactly what they were talking about. So, you know, we mentioned to them to, to Ty that uh, this was referring to the Nora Freeze thing. And he he said he supposes uh, this is a direct quote. Yes, I suppose it tosses out some Batman Adventures continuity with the soap opera elements introduced there. I noticed that while drawing the issue, obviously, but he didn't lean one way or the other as to whether or not he approved or disapproved. <laughs> I, I thought it was interesting that he referred to the, the Nora storyline that was written as soap opera elements. But he was, he, as we mentioned, he was responsible in at least for the first of those three issues there in sort of shaping that uh, storyline going forward. So he didn't seem to seem to have too many issues with it or or voice any uh, there. So um, all that to say, like you said, I don't think there's right or wrong for this. Um, I To me, I think taking a look at the, the positives and the negatives of this series, we've pointed out certain things that have been good, things that have been bad. I didn't have a problem with, with the Nora, Nora thing. To me, Mr. Freeze needs to be this tragic character and if you prefer the tragedy to be that he you know he was reunited and ultimately then separated again from Nora Freeze by all means that's 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 fine to me, for me for my sake this ad this to me feels more like a a more of a tragic end to his story uh that we would ultimately see see uh, you know ended in the batman beyond run so uh, to me i prefer this this storytelling but if you don't that's okay too <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um for for within the the narrative of the story uh forgetting about you know the the other continuities that it might hurt um I, I did think it was like one of the it was a it's a really dark it's a really dark moment as you sort of come to realize like oh Mr. Freeze has it and then you, they don't sh- straight up show you uh, Nora's uh, corpse but it, you sort of see glimpses of it as he's throwing the shawl over her and and Azrael is sort of trying to explain to him that you know the shawl only works you know it heals it doesn't bring people back from the dead though and he sort of can't accept that because again, I, and I, I do think that there's something to that. And even if it's a different version of it, it is kind of the same story told in those Batman adventures comics where it's, he had maybe some small peace of mind knowing that Nora was alive again and that she had gone off to live her happy ending. And then it was taken from her a second time. So it's still, it's still kind of the same you know, he had her, she got sick, he becomes Mr. Freeze, he thinks she's dead, he gets her back, she, he, you know, she, she is healed, she, she goes on to live her life, and then she dies. So it's still kind of that same thing where he loses her, he finds her, he loses her again, even if it's told in a, in a different and more uh, gruesome way. And, it, and yes, to, to Mr. Templeton's point, less, uh, less romantic, less, uh, less, less soap opera-y and more more just straight straight tragedy um in that element but it does i think still capture some of those same elements of 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 those stories just in a very different way yeah i agree i agree completely um 
All right. So moving on through the end end of this story, the shawl that, as we mentioned, Mr. Freeze's purpose for trying to obtain the shawl was so that he could revive Nora, which is interesting. I guess the uh, the lore of the Lazarus Pit is not uh, is not wide as widely known as one might think. So uh, he decides to try and get the shawl of Magdalene, which has reported healing powers. Uh, he and and Azrael Azrael confronts him first and is attacked. And uh, Bruce has to come in and save Azrael, defeats Mr. Freeze at the same time, and uh, ultimately uses the shawl, sort of. It's sort of implied that the shawl may have worked. Bruce yeah. is speculative, but the, the shawl, he, he puts the shawl over Azrael uh, after Azrael has had his head frozen or his, his body frozen solid in ice to try and revive him. So uh, he seems to think that Azrael's resiliency helped him uh, recover. Uh, Azrael certainly credits the shawl as the reason that he was healed. Uh, but uh, we they have this sort of poignant conversation where they talk about a quote unquote next time uh, if they if they are to uh, team up again in the future and mm-hmm. uh, and then they sort of part ways uh, and then we are left with the final three panels of this week's uh, week's issue, which I thought William was the perfect segue the perfect sort of cliffhanger yeah, it's a, into next week's issue yeah it's a great cliffhanger um we get we have very little red hood in these two issues or excuse me mysterious stranger that's uh right. that's watching watching batman we see him a little bit at the beginning of part one uh chapter seven um and we see him watching batman chase catwoman and then confront Azrael for the first time and then yeah, we didn't we didn't see much of him again until right at the end where he's sort of narrating. There's a there's this narration from Batman about how, you know, you have to cherish your allies and protect them as best you can because he's you know, he's dealt with tragedy in his own right. And, and they the allies never last or something like that. And that's that's juxtaposed with with Jason. Uh, you see him sit, sitting on a Ferris wheel and he's sort of looking at something through binoculars and it pans down and it is in fact the Joker. And you see the reflection in a mirror of Jason looking at him and, and the Joker kind of noticing him, noticing Jason as the, as the issue ends. And yeah, that's a, a friggin' phenomenal cliffhanger as far as, uh, as far as these issue goes. Yeah. So it looks like that. Uh, so as we mentioned, this is technically issue four. These two parts where it was issue four. This is a six issue miniseries. So we have two issues left after this issue. And so it looks like we're finally going to based on what the story uh, says, it's a uh, showdown at, at amusement mile, which is, you know, as you said, he's on a Ferris wheel in an amusement park. So we you have to imagine that we're going to get some some Jason, I'm sorry, mysterious stranger action in the <laughs> next, next issue, perhaps a confrontation between him and the person that could be responsible for his death as he was in the uh, main DC continuity. Who's, who's to know, who's to say we're, we're, we're kind of left with that great cliffhanger there, but yeah, very excited to see what happens uh, in the next issue. Uh, briefly, Liam, we'll talk a little bit. Um, we, have talked about it, I think, each and every week here uh, when we've done these reviews. But mm-hmm. man, oh man, if I think to me, I think these two issues artistically between the art that Ty Templeton drew and the the coloring by Monica Gubina, I think these each each issue seems to top the next as far as 
just the beauty of these images, and th- these two issues are are no exception to that. Absolutely, like like, like we said, uh, Shoehorn toy placement, uh, notwithstanding that Azrael bat suit uh, fits so well into this into this universe, into this style of art, um, and I, I I love seeing that the the, the scene where he's coming off of brutalizing uh brutalizing the penguin it's it's a great shot of him sort of holding the the penguin by his lapels and then batman sort of standing in the background with this really expressive look on his face um it it really felt like it jumped right out of the show to me um the some of these that's that's one thing i don't think i've appreciated as much as i should have so far is some of the way the way you can you can still show batman's you know he's very expressive despite being this sort of grim guy in this black black cowl you can still you know there's still so much expression in his face when he when he sees moments like that yeah i I thought that was great i i really love i don't know what it was but this i've never been a giant fan of the new batman adventures mr freeze look Mm -hmm. but in this comic i was like gosh that looks great like and I think part of it I really loved. I feel like it was a little bright, like the the blues on the suit were a little brighter. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. uh, compared to maybe some of his other comic book appearance, but the, I don't know. The suit just really popped to me in a way that it generally hasn't in in other comics or even the New Batman Adventures episode that he he appears in. Like, but I was like, man, that Mister Free suit looks good this time. I don't I don't know exactly what it was, but that's credit to uh, to Ty Templeton and Monica Cabina, I guess, because yeah, that's. I was like, that's the best that Mr. Freeze suit has ever looked to me. Yeah, I, I, there were two things that stood out. I mean, we already talked about the original Azrael costume, um, the red that, that kind of pops mm-hmm. in that. That opening scene where Batman is chasing Catwoman through the city, uh, pursuing her as, 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 uh, as he's chasing her there. Uh, the, the skies, the blood red skies, everything about that is just mm-hmm. gorgeous. Later on in that issue, the scene where... Uh, Azrael is confronting Penguin, and there's a there's a shot where he's knocking knocking a glass of champagne out of his hands, uh, he, you know, sort of backhanding the the uh, the champagne away. It's just oh man, it just I think I sent I screenshotted it and sent to you that day. I was like, holy mm-hmm. cow, like this is just gorgeous. Everything about it. Um, I think, you know, looking at some of, of Mr. Templeton's original artwork, I feel like the characters in this are a lot less stiff than I, I've always loved his work. But mm. something about the way that he's drawn the, the, this series of comics, they seem a lot less stiff and a lot a lot more, uh, which is funny to say for a, what a cartoon two-dimensional anyway, but it gives it more of a 3D look. And I think just friend of the show Monica's colors have just been perfect each and every issue so i think some of the coloration the pop and and i think honestly some of it is the digital aspect of it when you have the digital Mm -hmm. the digital first uh comics you know the the digital pops a little bit more sometimes than the stuff in your hands obviously we're big proponents of the the physical issues definitely encourage you to go out and pick up uh issue two is now available so if you can go if you can go support your local comic store uh and in picking that up but uh, the digital comics are also fun because those colors are so vibrant when you have have it on, whether it's on your phone or an iPad or your your laptop. It's there's something about it that with the colors are just so crisp and and pop so well. Yeah, there's uh, a there's a great uh, great scene. Probably my favorite, maybe my favorite panel of of either chapter is uh, as Batman sort of uh, talking with with Catwoman after Azrael has disappeared. Uh, he gets a call from Alfred. 
uh, who alerts them that he has a guest. And as it, fl- it cuts to Alfred in a panel and Azrael is holding the flaming sword to Alfred's throne and Alfred is just completely deadpan. Because again, as we've established in our regular show between episodes like Starcrossed or even our our recent review of uh, the Static Shock episode, Hard Hard as Nails, nothing can surprise Alfred anymore. <laughs> so he's just, yeah, of course, of course, there's some you know red uh, religious zealot uh, holding a, a, a flaming sword to my neck. Like what else would happen? It's Wednesday after all. Uh, and I, I the, the, but again, the the, the the, the coloration's great, the, the fire coming off of the sword and everything, and then also I just I just love I just love the expression that uh that they gave uh they gave Alfred in that scene where he's just he's so done with all all of this and uh is is still uh is still uh is still the same Alfred that that we know from uh from all of the various DCAU appearances he made. So yeah that that scene especially I think that might be my my single favorite panel of the uh of of either chapter. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, we say it each and every week, but that we've done these. The artwork continues to just be outstanding. So uh, I know a friend of the show, Monica, tends to listen to these episodes. So keep up the good work, Monica. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. Uh, you and Mr. Templeton are making these super, super enjoyable. Um, all right, Liam. So I guess uh, now that we've sort of gone through everything here, we, we tend to give a, a score for this a standard out of 10 as opposed to out of 40 that we do on our standard episodes. Um, I would say that for me, this uh, these continue to get better and better. I really enjoyed this storyline, albeit with its faults. Uh, maybe, maybe could have done with a little less Mr. Wing, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe one less villain too. We didn't really get a chance to talk about that, but it, it kind of does feel a little overstuffed at points. Definitely. I mean, you have, you introduce Catwoman at the start and then she's sort of thrown away right away to introduce Azrael, who obviously isn't a straight up villain, but is still a new character and a character that's going to pull focus and then you're right. You have the the penguin stuff, and then that being uh, him, right? Him being a middleman between Catwoman and, as we would come to find out, Mister Freeze. Yes, it's jam packed. And on one hand, it, it's cool, like we said, to see all of these characters pop up. Um, it, I'm certain I'm not complaining from a from an art perspective, but yeah, from a narrative perspective, I think it's it's definitely uh, we're definitely jam packed as far as uh, characters to to be used. Like it was. Honestly, it probably a good thing that uh, you know Batgirl or, or Robin were also somehow thrown into the story because yeah, between Batman and Azrael and Penguin and Catwoman and Mister Freeze, we were we were uh, we were pretty stuffed. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, it it almost makes you wish that this had been a ten issue miniseries or twelve issue, maybe yeah. to let some of these characters breathe a little bit. But with that said, I'm giving this my highest score to date so far for the Batman Adventures Continue series. I'm giving this a nine out of ten. Wow. Yeah, I, I think I'll go eight out of ten. I I really enjoyed it. Um, like I said, I think this is some of the best art in any of the the. Uh, issues so far and uh yeah like i said even if it's a different take on sort of mr freeze's second act um but sort of between between where we see him in the original series and where we see him in batman beyond it's a different take but like i said i think it still kind of hits the same notes that the the other versions did so yeah i uh, I, en- I enjoyed this quite a bit as well absolutely uh 
couple parting things here, Liam. We did see a preview of some of the uh, uh, the from the DC solicits of uh, a couple new covers for I guess that was issue five, mm-hmm. um, which both had images of Dick Grayson, aka Nightwing, featured on them. Uh, speculation: Do you feel like we're going to get a Nightwing appearance here? Where, where, as we mentioned, we're two issues away from this miniseries being over, and no sign of Dick as of yet. I don't. I honestly don't know because he's been on the cover of at least. Uh, he was on the cover of issue two, and he was on the cover of the variant cover for issue number one. So, I think they're kind of just letting the artists who are who are doing these covers draw whatever they not necessarily draw whatever they want, but as far as like what characters they want to use. I hope so. Um, since this is the the quote unquote A cover, I'm I'm hoping that means he'll. Uh, He'll pop up. Plus, as, as as I mentioned, I think in our previous bonus episode, I think there neat. I would really, really love there to be a scene where Jason interacts with both Tim and and Dick. I'd like to see all the, all the Robins together, um, regardless of how how this reveal goes. Whether they do just straight up say that there was a there was a third Robin we just never talked about between between Dick Grayson and Tim Drake taking up the roles. Mm-hmm. Um, or whether or not it's an alternate reality, or he's a completely different identity altogether, or or something else. Um, whether they, I would still really like to see a scene of these these three Robins all together. So I'm I'm fingers crossed. I'd really like to see him, but uh, you know, like I've said, I've he's he's been on the cover of a few other uh, issues and and hasn't yet appeared. So I'm I'm certainly hope I'm certainly hopeful for it, but I, I, I I'm not really sure what what to expect anymore. For sure. Um, and speaking of characters not yet to appear, so we know we've discussed this in past uh, bonus episodes as well. But uh, the whole this whole miniseries came out of the series of figures that DC at the time, DC Collectibles, now DC Direct, was offering. And there are several characters that were mentioned that were going to be featured or that are featured in the line that have not made appearances yet. And we are now down to two issues left. Uh, So those being Talon, Vampire Batman, Flashpoint Batman, Hush, and the Batman Who Laughs. So I feel like there could be an explanation for a couple of those. Uh, you could knock out Vampire Batman, Flashpoint Batman, and Batman Who Laughs with an alternate universe, uh, a Batverse, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, explanation. So may- maybe that's that's something that's explained in Jason's origin. But we have Talon and Hush, who feel I feel like should be major players in an issue, and, and maybe they're featured in issue number six. Who knows? But uh, yeah, we're still looking forward to that. Also, wanted to briefly mention... I did get uh, did get the first series of the Batman and the Adventures Continue figures in hand. Well, three of the four in hand. I got the Batman the Animated Series Batman with cell shading. I got the Red Hood figure as well as the Azrael figure in hand. And these things are absolutely gorgeous. Um, I know people have been uh, having a hard time trying to find them and getting them in stock. Uh, my recommendation, I picked them up from Big Bad Toy Store, who allows you to pre-order them. They're not a sponsor, but I, I enjoy plugging them because they're, they're a good friendly, <laughs> good friendly business. So check them out, BigBadToyStore.com. Um, or, you know, I, I know there are other spots that you can pre-order them, but they are well worth the wait, Liam. Yeah, absolutely. I been uh, been showing off some of them uh, some of your your uh, figure photography on our on our instagram page at dcau review 
And uh, yeah, like I, like I think I said in one of our previous episodes, I was uh, I was a little on the fence about collecting these at first, and uh, and uh, but between uh, how much I've enjoyed this comic series, and then uh, seeing seeing you uh, seeing pictures that you you took of of having the figures actually in hand, there's so there's a lot more more detailing than I realize, and a lot of a lot of cool a lot of cool stuff, especially I think with that Red Hood figure. So it's like, well, that's going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's going in the pre-order list for me. Uh, yeah, so it's it's all it's all your fault. But uh, no, but I I think I was always gonna start collecting them. So I was kind of late to starting to collect the earlier DC Direct slash DC Collectibles uh, Batman the Animated Series and New Batman Adventures figures. I kind of picked and chose uh, picked and chose which ones I wanted. Um, and so yeah, it's uh it's. It's uh, but yeah, seeing seeing them in person or, or through seeing them uh, w- with some of the photos you took and some of the photos other people have taken, the, those that have been able to get them in hand, it's it's, uh, it's definitely given me a, a case of FOMO on that, and I'm, uh, I'm definitely looking to pick them up now. So yeah, the between the the great comic book and then just how cool the figures look, it's uh, it's given me a uh, it's given me a lot to to think about as far as uh, what I, what I will and won't be collecting going forward. Well, it seems to me then, it, for at least in your case, that this this series, if it is just a a ploy to get people to buy toys, uh, they're doing a good job. Oh, it worked, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely uh, absolutely. <laughs> and the cool thing is, is that they're not. I mean, secondary prices for a lot of these figures are just astronomical right now. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what has caused that. I think some of the limited availability and the excitement and all of that has certainly caused a lot of these original figures to skyrocket in price. But you can, if your eyes are peeled, you can, you can find some deals out there. And, and the good news is that they've started re-releasing, uh, at least with some variant colors, some of these, uh, some of those original figures. So giving giving new collectors that are looking to jump in, like yourself, uh, to to fill in some some holes in their collection, the opportunity to catch up here. So hopefully with the success of this, and then hopefully leading to the success uh, more so of the toy line, uh, this will this will allow us to have many many Batman figures from DC Direct based on this series for years and years to come. And uh, with uh, San Diego Comic-Con at home next week, uh, maybe we'll see some some reveals of some new figures for this line. Who knows? Yeah, fingers crossed. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we uh, this this these six issues won't be the end of uh, of, of this series because that's it's been a lot of fun. And I, uh, I I'd I, I just, you know, you, you always as we say, we, we're always hoping for to be able to spend just a little more time in, in this universe. And uh, that's whether it's movies or cartoons or or comic books so uh, hopefully everything is is pretty successful and 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 we uh, we get we get more of all of it <laughs> Don't forget to check us out. As we have mentioned on our podcast already, you can check us out on Instagram at DCAU Review. You can check us out on Twitter at DCAU Review. Uh, we are constantly talking about all things DCAU, including this series, Batman the Adventures Continue, all things controversial. We love talking about this. Don't forget also, you can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. That will get your new episodes delivered to you as they become available. We are currently in a month of Static Shock episodes, which we will be wrapping up here this coming Saturday. And then beginning in August, Liam, we will be actually going back to Batman the Animated Series, picking up where we left off. 
So we are excited. So if you haven't checked out our standard episodes before, make sure you check those out. You'll not want to miss the upcoming episodes as we have a few that we're excited to discuss in the month of August. Definitely. And uh, definitely head to uh, head to that Instagram or to our Twitter at DCAU Review on both. Always, always love talking about all this stuff with, with you guys and hearing theories, try to guess where the series is going next or, or your thoughts on episodes that we're reviewing. Uh, always love all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, be sure to short sure tweet us or or uh, message us and uh, give us your thoughts as well on, on this series, on this Adventure Continue series, the figures and uh any other DC or DCAU related content. Absolutely. Well, thank you for checking us out on this week's bonus episode. We'll be back in just a few weeks with another bonus episode review of Batman The Adventures Continue. But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we'll talk to you on that next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.